Welcome to this episode of Executive Insights. I'm your host, J.D. Miller. In these unique times where AI is not only discussed in every meeting and adding new complexities to tech leaders' jobs, the focus on data and analytics have never been greater. At a recent CDO Dallas Summit, we broke down a lot of the opportunities, but also challenges when it comes to AI. In a landscape powered by data-driven decision-making and AI advancements, organizations are prioritizing these investments to gain a competitive advantage. I was joined on stage for a fireside discussion with Colin Gick, who runs business intelligence and analytics at Brinks Home Security to explore the strategic imperatives, challenges, and transformative impact placing data and analytics at the forefront of organizational priorities. When I return, I'll have that recorded discussion we had on stage. Sure, appreciate it, JD. Um, so, hello everyone, Colin Gick, Director of Business Intelligence and Analytics at Brinks Home. Um, as a security company, as you can imagine, we have a lot of data. My team is responsible for the overall architecture, infrastructure, and sort of the centralized point of reporting and analytics uh, within the organization. And you know, I, I thought this was a really interesting topic because you know, even here today, we're We've got an AI summit and a data summit all kind of happening all at once, but in reality, you know, there's some really significant synergistic effects that I think are really important to discuss. So th this topic, why investments in data and analytics reign as top organizational priorities in the age, you know, really what has stuck out to you about this and where you want to be like, hey, I want to talk about this today? Sure. Well, it's one of these things where, you know, there's so much excitement around AI right now, and rightfully so. But at the end of the day, you have to feed AI good data in order to get good results out of AI. And so there's such a rush right now. I mean, you hear it in, in corporate boardrooms. I mean, we had that, that little exercise at the beginning saying how many people have had their boss ask them about AI in the last week and everyone <laughs> raised their hand, right? Right, right. Um, but you know, the winners, the, the companies that are gonna really thrive are gonna be the ones that are able to feed it the best data to get the best results out of it. And I feel like that's just part of the conversation that's missing today where there's this jump to the new technologies and you know, corporate jumping at the new technology doesn't always really work out. So I thought that there was a, a pretty unique space uh, within the, the topic and that's why I wanted to get up here and talk about it. Yeah, and I think you had mentioned something, the fact of data is the gas in your AI engine yes. and, and dirty gasoline won't allow your engine to function. <laughs> it's really a really good analogy. But as we dive into this, what ways does a robust data foundation contribute to the successful implementation of AI technologies today. Yeah, absolutely, and I'll use that analogy again. Anyone that knows me knows that I go way overboard with analogies. <laughs> I love um, it, bring it, bring it. <laughs> and so, you know, data is the gasoline that powers your AI engine. Um, apologies for the Tesla owners, we're going with the, the, <laughs> with the uh, combustible engine example, but if you put bad data into your AI engine, it's not gonna get you the results that you want. And so having that really solid data foundation from quality checks, from really a good comprehensive set of data, it's just so critical because anyone can just jump on and, and use ChatGPT or, or Copilot or any of these technologies that are out there. Anyone can put an API call out there to these technologies, but if you are not able to augment that with really high quality data about your organization that's gonna to matter to your customers, then it's not really gonna give you the results that you want. So tell me, any current projects exciting you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, at Brings Home, one of the things that we are doing is we're making a huge investment in our data foundational platform. 
I'm completely re-architecting it from the ground up. And it's not that the current platform is bad, it's just the scalability wasn't there for what we need today. And so, as I kind of alluded to at the beginning here, we have so much data and so many different signals. You need to have a robust platform that's able to capture all of that and, and do meaningful analysis on that in pretty close to real time. And so, that's one of our biggest investments is that we are focusing on that foundation in a parallel path, we are working with some AI vendors to kind of help us in certain targeted use cases and targeted areas. Um, but the foundation is what's really gonna set us up for five, 10 years down the road. Talk about investments. We know the importance of, of data and AI complementing each other, but how can organizations strike that perfect balance between data infrastructure and AI initiatives for maximum impact? Yeah, absolutely. Really, it's all about what you're trying to accomplish. We started up here by saying that uh, your investments need to be targeted. You need to have really good use cases out there because otherwise you're just throwing technology at a problem that you don't know what the problem is. And so finding the things that are gonna matter the most to your organization and then leverage all of the tools at your disposal to figure out the best way to solve them. And so you end up with a pretty natural balance between sort of these data, data foundations and AI foundations and because you're ultimately trying to solve a problem. And when you kind of get to that point, all you're really doing is you end up managing a portfolio of these use cases. And managing that portfolio is the way that you're able to understand, okay, here's the impact that I'm making, and I'm using all of the tools that I have at my disposal in order to make that impact. And, and it's all about driving business value at the end of the day, because that's gonna help you get that budget, right? Exactly. And you know, business value is one of those things that it's really difficult to think about retroactively. Um, how many times have you been asked, oh, you know, how much value has your data organization brought? And you're just kind of sitting there like, uh, a lot? Um, <laughs> you know, it's, what we do is we kind of flip that on its head. And so it all kind of goes back to that portfolio of use cases mindset, where when new requests, new sort of collaborations within the organization come in, we kind of flip it back on, on those requesters and say, well, what's the value it's gonna drive? We need you to actually be the ones that are quantifying this upfront before it can even come to us. We kind of have a pretty robust process that goes into the planning of, of our work. And what that allows us to do is it allows us to say, okay, well, this is gonna be something that's gonna provide a significant ROI with a shorter payback period. Let's go ahead and do that. And then after that work is done, then it's just a matter of measuring to that. But if you don't have that upfront, it's really, really difficult to quantify the impact that you have. And at the end of the day, you know, there's kind of two different areas here. If you are just taking, taking tickets, getting data out the door, um, you're a cost center. But if you're actually solving problems and you can quantify that upfront by working with the business, so that way there's no funny math. It's how did you get there? You tell me, right? Um, that will allow you to go from that cost center to a real strategic driver for your organization. Let's talk about overcoming hurdles too. And there's three different ways I wanna tackle this. I wanna talk about um, silos and data silos. I wanna talk about privacy concerns, and then there's also that talent shortage as well. Let's talk about silos first, because sure. it, it, it's a big challenge when you have data silos, and what strategies have you seen that have been effective in overcoming that? Yeah, and silos are a really natural challenge. Um, especially when you don't sort of have a unified strategy. Now, organizational size and dynamics are certainly going to play here, right? 
Um, and there are certainly some times where you really don't want different departments or different silos to, to have access to each other's information. HR is kind of your classic example. Um, but it's really about having a unified strategy. Um, if you allow this to grow organically within your organization, so you're gonna have one department that's gonna set up uh, their own analytics practice and another department that sets up their own analytics practice, by default, they're not gonna be doing the same thing. They're not gonna be following the same processes. And so one of the things that we're in the process of, of thinking about is that center of excellence model, which actually is gonna lead into the third one, which is talent shortage. Mm -hmm. um, my team being centralized, we want to enable the rest of the organization to get the value out of the data that they need without having to kind of come to a centralized location. And so it's kind of paradoxical in the fact that we are setting everyone up, setting the sort of standards of practice, how to access data, security controls, and things of that nature, but then letting everyone go. And actually by centralizing those resources, it'll start to address some of these issues that we're talking about with the talent shortage. Some of the best analysts and honestly data scientists that I've ever worked with, they came from the business. They didn't have a deep technical background initially because honestly, we can train technical backgrounds for the most part, right? Um, but it's the context. You know, there's a whole session earlier today about context. It's that context that is super, super critical. And so we've developed a business of technology pipeline where we've got people that are in the business that have some interest and a little bit of aptitude in the areas coming to us and saying, hey, I need to, I need to do more here. And so then we kind of go through that center of excellence model. We work on giving them the foundational skills that they need, providing them the access to the data and kind of guiding them along that right path. And we've seen some incredible success with that. So definitely don't overlook the people in your business because if you have to go out in the market, you never know if it's gonna work. You can have someone that interviews incredibly well, you can have someone that has incredible technical skills, they come in and nope, that's not a cultural fit, that's gonna work, right? You have someone inside your organization and have set up that pipeline, they already have that context. They have the mindset of this is what I need in order to move the needle. So a little bit of a complex answer to the question, but um, having that centralized guidance, think about the people in the business that may actually be able to, to come in and help you out. You know, look in before you look out and you'd be surprised with the results that you end up having. Let's talk about that third end then, privacy. Um, it, it, we talked collaboration earlier sure. um, today at the summit. Talk to me a little bit about that InfoSec collaboration that's needed. Yeah, absolutely. And my team is sort of responsible for that front end uh, BI and analytics but we have a really deep partnership with the information security team. So that's all within that same organization. We are working together constantly. We've got weekly syncs, we've got just, we're constantly in each other's ear. But what they kind of do is they work with us to say, okay, this is the, these are the goals that we are trying to accomplish. And when you sort of start at that level, everyone's got the same goal, right? As data leaders in the room, we stay up at night about data walking out the door. That's, mm -hmm. that's just a fact. We all want that. And so we kind of set up, here are the, the, the standards, here's the goals that we want to achieve, and then we work together collectively to figure out what are the ways that we can apply that at every different level of our data stack, from the actual platform, the warehousing side, to the visualization, to what happens when someone is just taking some Excel data and tossing it in, in an email. You, know, you have to kind of have that holistic strategy, and it's only done through collaboration. So we're really tightly locked at the hip with that information security team. And that really helps us out a lot when it comes to 
dealing with these issues. In the context of a, a data-driven decision making, and we've talked about that you know, throughout the day, how can organizations foster a culture uh, that encourages collaboration between different departments, we talked breaking down silos, promoting unified approach to leveraging data for strategic decision making across your organization? Well, it all starts, honestly, at the hiring level. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's one of these things where, and, and I've kind of come around on this, and we've had some people that say, oh, you know, you can bend the culture to your will, and I kind of don't know if that's really the case. You know, I've seen mixed results here. So it all starts with having alignment across your organization, from your hiring managers to your HR organization, to be able to say, look, these are the types of people that we are looking to bring in, because they're gonna question the norm, they're going to leverage data, and they're gonna be the ones that are gonna be able to take that forward. Now, you can certainly get people on board, right? It's not mm -hmm. an all or nothing approach, and you kinda of have to take it from both angles, because just turning over your entire organization is not really what you wanna do. Um, but what we've found is if you find people that are incredibly resistant to, to change, you just got to get little wins with them. You know, spend more time with them and you'll be able to flip them very often from someone who's a detractor to someone who's a promoter. What we've done is we've taken people that are saying, you know, this is how I've always done it. And then we say, well, walk me through your job. Let's see what you do on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, we're here to help. And let's see if there's anything that we can do to help you out. And then oftentimes they're gonna say, oh, well I take this data from here, I put it into this spreadsheet here, I do this and I do that. And we're like, okay, what if we automate that for you and you don't have to do that at all? That person who's gonna be the detractor is really quickly gonna come around to your side. Um, but just, it takes a personal touch sometimes. That's all that I can really say about it. You wanna just get, show them that, hey, there is another way to do this and it's gonna save you time and it's gonna help you be more effective at your job. Because at the end of the day, that's all that we're here for, right? We all want to be successful at our own jobs, whether we're on the data side or in the business side. Understand their goals, help them achieve their goals, and they're going to turn around for you. Yeah, it's interesting. It's an office space, right? The TPC reports, you know, the multiple TPC reports. And I always hate the term when somebody comes to me and said, this is how I always do it. Yeah. And talk to me about the challenge of convincing people to look at new ways. Well, like I said, it's, it's always a challenge. Right? There's no golden um, bullet for this. There's no magic pill. But you kind of need to just get to know the person. It, it takes that personal touch. Um, kind of going back to that last session, we were talking about emotional intelligence. It flips that back around here. You know, we're not just people sitting behind the curtain helping other people get data. You know, we strive to be strategic partners with people um, in our organization. And so it's really important to have that personal touch. And we've found that to work incredibly well. And if they say, this is how I've always done it, sometimes you just have to sh show them that there is another way. They might not really know um, that, hey, there's another way to do this. Or, hey, what's the thing about your job that you hate the most? Oftentimes, we can get in there and help them with those kinds of things. So uh, it's really, like I said, it's not a one-size-fits-all approach, but it's something where you really want to be able to um, personalize it as much as you possibly can. Investments in data and analytics align with overall business objectives. We had a wonderful discussion um, earlier today over in this corner about that. How can organizations ensure that these initiatives contribute tangibly to organizational success? Yeah, talk to me a little bit about measuring and maximizing ROI because that's what you, you talk about. You don't want to be a cost center. You know, you want to be a business generator. I feel like a lot of these earlier sessions are taking away my thunder. Here, maybe. <laughs> um, but, you know, 
like I said, in our approach, and this has worked for us, is that we flip it back around. Because oftentimes, if you are asked to quantify why your data initiatives matter and be able to say, what's the ROI of your team, they're going to look at you skeptically. Um, they're going to say, like, oh, well, you guys fudge the numbers. You can do that, right? You're data people. Um, and so by flipping that back around on the organization to say, hey, we need you to quantify this. And we do have financial reviews that go through all of that. And so, again, it goes back to the mindset of you're managing a portfolio of use cases. You need to have some of these use cases, like, really solidified. And there's always going to be back and forth. There's always going to be things that you need to do to um, really hone in on what's going to matter. But by having that quantification up front, it's much easier for you to be able to show your value and prove that ROI out. When we talk about investments in data and analytics, um, asking for budgets is the toughest thing I think each one of us face. One of the biggest challenges I, I feel like when it comes to that is um, speaking the same language as the person who you're asking. The, the, Absolutely. Talk to me, how do you find common ground to convey the need in not only for the security of an organization, but for growth? Well, yeah, asking for budgets is difficult, right? There's, <laughs> there's, no, there's no getting around that. Um, it really kind of, it's one of these things where you need to understand where your weaknesses are as an organization. Um, having a little bit of financial intelligence as a manager or as a leader, it really does help because then you can actually start to speak in a little bit in that same parlance, but it's also about understanding the pain points of your organization and saying, this is the money that I'm gonna need in order to solve it. Um, one of the big things that we needed to do was frankly just improve our velocity, right? We talked about having a line out the door. Mm -hmm. um, and so by showing, okay, by taking these concrete steps, it's going to cost us this amount of money and we can expect this much of an increase in our velocity, that allows us to actually be able to quantify that. Now, it's really risky when you start to say, we're gonna gain efficiencies and we're gonna get faster. Because at the end of the day, that's actually not a cost savings unless you're reducing headcount, which is scary and none of us wanna do that. Right. But what we ended up doing is saying, okay, what we can do is take that and put it towards other activities that are going to add even more value to the business, invest in certain other areas. Um, and by saying something like, we're reinvesting our, essentially, our efficiency gains, just a sentence like that has helped me, at least, work with those financial folks and start to speak a similar language. I, I like the, the concept of talking velocity, yeah. right? And then also you put it in dollars and cents. Sure. And that, that's things managers understand, yes. right? And they have to, to report upon. Let's talk a little bit about organizational agility, and analytics plays a huge role in driving organizational agility. How can analytics empower decision makers to respond to market changes, customer preferences, and challenges arise when achieving this agility though, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, it's the old phrase, right? You need the right data in the right hands at the right time. Um, and being agile, no matter the size of your organization, it's really about being able to respond to things when they come up and being proactive. Whatever, you, wherever you fall on the maturity curve, where we initially you know, started this whole this whole day out by talking, there are ways to increase your ability to be more proactive. Um, one of the things that we've done in the past, when we were a little bit lower on the maturity curve, was introduce the idea of an analytical forum. And so this is where we said, "Data people, go." That's it. That was our prompt, right? And they would come and come back with these fascinating insights and start to be really 
um, engaging to the business, they'd say, oh, I never thought about that. I never looked at it that way. Um, but it's just an example of needing to be more and more proactive. Getting that data in the hands of the people who are going to make decisions, that's the way that you end up being more agile. We're gonna talk later today about uh, retaining, recruiting top talent, but touch a, a little bit for me, what skills are crucial for professionals today that may not have been there five years ago that's gonna prepare your organization and that individual for the five years to come? You know what, if you had asked me that five years ago, I would have said the technical skill. But now the more and more I think about it, I need someone who is curious and an effective communicator. Those are the two things that I look for because I can always teach you technical skills, right? I can get you to the point where you are effective. You've got a set of tools that you're able to use, but being able to be inquisitive, understand why you're doing what you're doing. And we've got people within, everyone's got people within their organization that just do what they're told. Here are my requirements, this is what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna get it out the door, right? But you need to be able to ask that why, to understand why you're doing something and not only just from like a reflexive perspective, you need to actually have that curiosity and be able to communicate with that person about, hey, I get your, what you're asking for, but maybe you want to look over here. That's, to me, the most important skill that you need, and it all goes back to that business and technology pipeline. If you do that, you invest in your people, you have people that are naturally inquisitive because otherwise they wouldn't have even joined this pipeline. Mm -hmm. you talk about retention, yeah, that's called a, a, a job improvement, a life improvement for, for these people. Um, and so you kind of hit on all of that. Yeah, and I, I'm gonna give you credit for that, Colin, the, the be curious, I also give Ted Lasso credit. He was throwing darts, you know, be curious, be, being that, that main thing. If I'd have known, I would've had a mustache. Yeah, there you go, there you go. So these events, these summits that we put on, um, are, again, about peer-to-peer -peer education. What are the key takeaways you want people to think about and, and chew on and then come to us at the bar later and, and have a conversation? Sure, so I'll try to summarize it all quickly. Um, data is the gasoline in your AI engine. You know, bad data in, bad results out. The winners are gonna be the ones that have the best data. Think about managing a data organization as managing a portfolio of use cases. Otherwise, you're just taking tickets. And finally, think about that technology to uh, business to technology pipeline, because you have people in your organization that I promise you are untapped. So if you have that ability to kind of look there and think about that, um, I promise you you'll find some results you weren't expecting. Colin, thank you so much for letting me pick your brain today. Thank you, appreciate thank you. it. Thanks again to Colin for joining me in Dallas. If you'd like to be a guest on this or our family of podcasts, visit cdnmedia.com or email us at marketing at cdnmedia.com. You can find our past episodes on SoundCloud or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.